This is the Book Marketing Action Podcast, and I'm Becky Robinson. Since 2012, my team and I have partnered with more than 100 authors to launch more than 130 business books. On this podcast, I'll share the best insights and actionable ideas from our work so that you can implement sustainable activities to reach your goals for your book. Whether you're a seasoned author looking to breathe new life into your book or someone who dreams of writing a book someday, this podcast will help you be more successful in getting results as an author. Hi, everyone. This is Becky Robinson. I'm so glad to be back with you for another episode of the Book Marketing Action Podcast. And I'm so glad to be joined today by Todd Satterston. He is the publisher at Bard Press and has had an amazing career in books. Our paths have crossed over the years. And I'm so glad to be able to learn with him today. I know that you're going to find this episode exceedingly valuable. Um, so I'm so glad you tuned in. So Todd, before we get started, would you tell our listeners a bit more about your work in the world? and about your books? As you said, I'm the publisher at Bard Press. Bard Press has been, this is our 26th year of publishing books. And we're a little bit different than the average publisher in that we only publish one book a year. And so titles like The One Thing, Letter of Book of Selling are probably books that readers would most recognize. Those are books that have sold over 2 million copies. And besides publishing books, I spend a lot of time just thinking about publishing, writing about publishing, and just trying to help authors, because I think they're the most important people, frankly, in the publishing process, navigate getting their book into the world. That is so awesome. And can you tell the titles of your book too? Oh, sure. So I wrote a book with Penguin Random House called The 100 Best Business Books of All Time. It's the best-selling book kind of in that category of people trying to figure out books that might be helpful to them in their professional careers. And then I also wrote Every Book is a Startup, which is a book about taking kind of lean startup and startup philosophy and trying to figure out how can we apply that to book publishing? Because there's a lot of wonderful parallels that we could we would benefit from by taking some of that methodology into our world of book publishing. Well, hopefully we'll pull some of that knowledge into this conversation. And I'm just really looking forward to digging in with you. So we've talked before, Todd, about the importance of the author being involved in the marketing process. But I'm curious if you would share with our listeners about what you think is required for an author to successfully market and sell their book. I think it starts with the book itself. I think that if you don't get the book right, it doesn't matter how much advertising or marketing you do, the book's not going to be successful. So make sure that you get the book right. I think the most important thing I would say is spend as much time as possible making sure that you have the problem right, the problem that your book is going to solve. And if you get that right, then I actually think the marketing and selling actually gets a lot easier. I think your ability to pull the message from that book into the marketing and selling that you do ends up becoming, I'm not going to say easy, I'm going to say easier. I'm looking at you, Todd, and you have that book that you mentioned earlier, The One Thing, which is a book that's been published by Bard Press. You have it behind you. And you know, frankly, I've seen that book everywhere. Yeah. So can you talk a little bit about this idea that you have to get the problem right and how you think that book demonstrates that principle? Yeah. When I think about getting the problem right, I think that there's three questions inside of that. The first is, can you be clear as possible about what the book is about? So it's a what question. I've got to answer this. What is the book about? And so when you look at the one thing, 
There's absolutely no question what that book's about. It is a book about focus. It's a book about productivity. It's a book about like, get really clear on the thing that matters to you most, because that's what's going to create the greatest results. So what works about that book is there's no one walks up to that book going, huh, gosh, I wonder what that's about. Like that doesn't happen. But after that, after you solve that what question, you've got to solve the kind of why do I care? The so what question, like, why am I going to care about this book? What is different about this book? It's a productivity book. I've read a million other productivity books. You've read a million other productivity books. What is it that's going to make this book stand out as being different? So what's the so what? I've got to make sure that I have something for the reader to surprise them and make them want to read the book. And then there's the now what? And the now what's the utility? And it is what is the thing? What's the processes and frameworks and techniques and actions that I can take. And every book has to have that as well. It's the difference between a magazine article and a book. A magazine article can just be interesting and we're happy, we're fine. But a book actually has to have that additional utility in it so I know how to be successful. It has to deliver on a promise. The promise being, what am I going to be able to do differently that I couldn't do before? before I bought this book, before I read this book. And all of those tie into, you got to make sure that that problem, I've got to get the problem right and being clear about the problem, being surprising in some way about that problem, and then delivering on a really good solution or set of solutions that help me solve the problem that I have. That's really helpful, Todd. Thank you. In terms of like, how could someone think about that as an author in the work that they do? I would encourage them to go look at any book description go pick the favorite book off the shelf or go look it up on Amazon and go look at the book description. And I would make the argument that you're going to see those three components in every book description. You're going to see a clear, the first sentence is normally a very clear description of the world that that reader's in. The second sentence is going to be what surprises them. And the third sentence is going to be literally deliver on what the person's going to get from it. So this is like super tactical kind of advice that I can give authors is answer those three questions in three sentences and make it your book description. I wonder also, even predating the book description, when the author is in that position of writing the book proposal or trying to attract a publisher, you probably need to actually have that nailed at that point as well. Yeah. And to like, not to get too meta and like, you could take this out if it's too meta, but like, this is like basically three act play structure. Like all we're doing is mimicking what someone does in a movie or a TV show or a Broadway play. Act one is tell me what the world is like for that person and what the problem is. Act two is, oh my God, I had no idea that this was the thing that was going to be true. And suddenly their world turns upside down and they start looking at the world differently. And act three is always, I've learned how to save the world. And now I'm going to go back to my town and save it from the evil villain, or I'm going to figure out how to solve my problem. So in some ways, I'm just harking back to like Aristotle and poetics, like of just like use stuff that people have used for a really long time to put yourself, to structure that information about your book in a way that people already recognize, even though you may not realize it. So it sounds to me like you're saying that readers expect your book to follow that arc and you need to give it to them within kind of the framework that they're used to reading. They're going to be looking for that. And if you don't provide that, then the book won't be satisfying to them. I think you can do it in the form of the book and you can do it in the form of the book description, the pitch. I think it's interesting that if you asked a reader, are they expecting that? They probably wouldn't be able to tell you that, but we are so built for that, the information to be delivered in that way that we are just putting ourselves in an even better position when we help the reader walk through that very common 
what is it? So what? What? So what? Now what? When you walk them through that process, they're going to go, oh, I get it. And I understand it. And they can very quickly then discern, is this book for me or not? That makes sense. And I'm thinking a little bit about the hero's journey. Do you think in any way what you've described mimics the hero's journey? 100%. Yeah. This is this is Joseph Campbell's stuff as well. Yeah. He was just, he has his 12 steps. He basically takes three X structure and turns it into 12 steps. It's the same exact philosophy. And if I'm going to take this then one step further, it sounds like we're describing something that I think is really straightforward. It's like, oh, well, what, so what, now what? I just need to write three sentences. It'll be super easy. This is where it gets hard again. Like, even though I've given you like this recipe for how to do it, what I choose to say in that what sentence, what I choose to be the thing that is surprising, and then what I choose to make as the promise, as the what the person's going to get, that's where the creativity re-enters the whole equation. That's where as a publisher, I spend an enormous amount of time thinking exactly about productivity books. We've seen them like there's thousands of them and they all have slightly different ways that they go about looking at the problem of productivity. Sometimes it's focus. Sometimes it's habit building. Sometimes it's to-do lists. Sometimes it's time management. Sometimes it's energy management. Like look at all the different ways that people have looked at framing that issue. So while we may have given you like this wonderful framework, just remember that the what you plug into the that framework is where it gets creative and interesting and where you can really differentiate your book in the marketplace. Well, we're going to come back to this when we talk about action steps later on, because I think this is a perfect action step as a result of today's episode. Todd, let's talk for a moment about the difference between selling books and marketing books, because I've heard you recently speak and you differentiated those two in a very powerful way. Well, I mean, I think that when we're marketing books, what we're generally doing is we're marketing the book, is we're creating awareness for it, right? When I think of marketing, I think of I've been interviewed by a podcaster. I've written a piece of content for my blog or maybe for another news outlet. Maybe what I've done is I've written a piece for my newsletter. I mean, there's the multitude of other ways that I might go out into the marketplace and market my book. I could buy an online ad saying, hey, check out my book. I think that is usually when I'm marketing a book, I'm trying to find an audience for the book. I'm working kind of from the cold end of the spectrum. I think when I'm selling books, I'm much more towards the warm, hot end of that spectrum. I'm selling the book. I'm selling the product. I want the person to buy the thing. And so I just want to make sure that when we're in this process, and particularly when we're launching books, that we distinguish between those two activities and that as much as possible that we're connecting that marketing directly to how it is that we are selling books. Because I think in the end, again, this is my publisher perspective, right? I have a very particular point of view on this. I want to sell books. Marketing can do lots of things for the author. It can raise profile. It can create other business opportunities. But just remember, when we're launching the book, we want to connect it as much as possible to the actual selling of the book and the selling of the product. So can you talk a little bit about what that might look like? So if I'm an author, and I am, wow, surprise, Mm -hmm. um, and I have a marketing plan, what does my sales plan look like? What I would do is I would literally open up a spreadsheet and I would start listing people and organizations that are I can directly touch right now. I'd start with the absolute warmest hottest group of people that are next to me that I know are going to be interested in what it is that I'm doing. I want to make sure there's a good, strong connection or people who are 
just interested in what you are doing. There's the people are interested in the product and what the book will help solve them with. But also understand early on in that process, there's a lot of people who are just going to want to support you as the author. And make a list of those people and get really specific. And I hope that list is 100 or 200 or 500 people. I think anybody can make a list of 100 people who can help them sell books when they launch. And so do, you know, get very salesy and do a roll up and like list the people, think about how many copies they could buy. And then think about what would be the offer? How would I want to talk to them? Is that a phone call? Is that an email, a direct email that I want to write? Could it be a, I know they're on my email list and the best way to contact them is just with a general email out to the newsletter. But thinking very specifically about that process, it's rather than like trying to generate this kind of nebulous interest in the book from one side, it's coming from the other side. Like sometimes I'll say to authors, I want you to imagine that I'm going to deliver three pallets of books to your house and I'm going to put them in your garage and you don't get the parking spot back until you sell all those books. So what am I going to do? It's a very different kind of activity in getting those books out of my garage than I'm going to, doing air quotes right now, I'm going to market my book. I'm going to talk to somebody about my book. I got to do a really different set of things to sell books than to market books. That's a really very helpful image, partly because I've had pallets of books arrive at my office or my house before. And I think that one thing I want to take away from this conversation as a book marketer is a focus on how I can coach my authors about sales and marketing. And I think that we don't talk about that much. We definitely talk about mobilizing networks and thinking about people who can help you, but not like roll up your sleeves, you have books to move, and how are you going to sell them? So that's really helpful. So I'm curious, Todd, as it relates to sales and marketing, are there any tactics that you recommend that you think apply universally? Yeah, I've been thinking a lot about that question lately. And I was on a conversation with an author last week, and I did what you said. I They said, what's the three most important things I could do? I gave them what I thought the three most important things were. And their immediate response back to me was, I talked to another author last week, and those things didn't work for them. And I immediately responded and I said, well, you know, it depends on the book and it depends on the author. And I think we have to be more honest about that part of it, that it does depend. It is very context rich. Like if I were to walk through all the things that I did when we launched the 100 best business books of all time, or what we did when we did when we launched the one thing, first between those two books, night and day in terms of the kinds of things we did. The ecosystem that was available to me, the ecosystem that was available to the authors of the one thing, the activities that we engaged in, what the books were about, this combination of the book and the author and the audience, they're so context-specific that we need to build a marketing and sales plan that matches that. So, for example, when we launched The 100 Best, one of the wonderful assets that I had with that book was 105 authors who really liked the idea of being in the 100 best business books of all time. And my ability to reach out to all of those people and say, hey, by the way, you already know us. Me and my co-author were pretty well known in at the company that we worked at at Porchlight Books. And us being able to reach out to them and say, hey, gosh, we've written this book. You're in it. Just wanted to let you know. I'm going to send you a copy. Would love to figure out a way for us to help promote that. I still see authors who put that in their bios, even 10 years later, who say, this book that I wrote is in the 100 best business books of all time by Jack Covert and Todd Satterston. So I'm still getting marketing mileage out of it 10 years later. But my ability, for example, to hold events at Harvard, Stanford, 
the Cleveland Library and with a bookstore at Los Angeles with authors that we featured in the book. I was able to do events that there's no way, one, that those authors would be interested in any other context, but the fact that they were going to sit with other authors within the 100 best books of all time, and that we gave them an opportunity to talk about their book and why it was important to interact with each other about why their books were important. How do I take that and say to you, Becky, who you have your book coming out that, hey, Becky, what you should do is you should X, Y, Z. Like The context for that isn't good. But could I say to you, instead, think about the readers, the primary person who's going to buy the book and who's going to be moved by it. And you probably already have because you're writing the book and you're thinking about that person. Could you think about the leaders who might be interested in the book? And I use the word leader as someone who has the ability to move more than one copy. So maybe there's someone who they run a book club. Maybe they run a marketing agency and they really like your book and they really think, gosh, this would be really good for us to talk about in one of our monthly meetings. Could it be an educator who runs a marketing class at a community college who wants to adopt it for a syllabus? So are you thinking about leaders? Are you thinking about people who can generate multiple copies of a book being sold? And then can you think about people who might give it as a gift? Can you think about writers who would want to write about it? Can you think about retailers and who might want to stock the book? So I think building frameworks can be really important in this case. But in terms of giving specific advice, I'm getting more and more leery of it. I'm getting more and more leery of giving anecdotes that people go, oh my God, that sounds really cool. I'm going to do that. And then completely miss the fact that the context for their book and the audience isn't going to match. That's so helpful. And I'm curious as it relates to the one thing. I know that one of the tactics you did for the one thing was this massive airport promotion with posters and placements. And I think quite often business book authors think that that's the magical key to unlock massive sales. And what I'm hearing from you is it's not going to work for every book. Right. Because think about like if we just talked airport for one second, you know, I'd say two or three things about that. What's great about airport is um, there's a smaller number of books frankly. There's not the 30,000 titles in the Barnes & Noble, there's the 100 titles in the Hudson's. So your ability to be noticed, in particular, if you're on a table and you're in front of the store, that can be really effective. The kinds of people who travel tend to be more leader-focused, like in that framework that I just gave. They tend to be people who run organizations who want to adopt ideas. They tend to be very active readers. So it's a very good audience. It's expensive. It's five-digit expensive per month to be in airports. And you're never going to sell enough books to cover the cost. You're going to sell hundreds of books, not thousands of books. So as a publisher, it's hard to recommend to an author based solely on book sales to say, hey, you should be there. But sometimes the additional business that they're going to generate from being in airports and being connected to those very specific individuals can be very effective for not just driving book sales, for also driving additional book things. So that's sometimes where you get into this wonderful gray area when you're launching a book where you have some unique abilities. You can put your book into the market and you can put it into interesting places where the book may have certain things that happen to it, but also your business may have certain things that happen with it. And I think the last thing I just want to say about airports, and I would say about this, about retail in general, is your book has to sell itself like from the shelf. Like If it wasn't designed as the product that you can put on a shelf face out and that reader is going to get it from moment one, not just airports, but all retail, you're going to have a hard time. That's why book publishers labor over jackets and market and title and subtitle and all those things. So 
that's a lot about airport. But I, what I would say is it's another one of those things that can be very context specific where it can work in certain cases. Thanks for that. And obviously with COVID, the airport thing is less used. Airports, as we record this, we're 14 months in uh, to the pandemic. And there was a point in time where airport traffic was down 90%. So that was not a particularly great venue to be in. We've returned about 60% of what it was a year and a half ago. And I think we're going to see those numbers continue to go up over the summer. But yeah, it's physical retail, like, you know, talk about again, context specific. It isn't just the book. It isn't just the uh, the author. It's what is going on at that time that is going to work for that particular book. So it's time specific too. Well, let's talk for a minute, Todd. Uh, you and I have spoken about this magical number of 10,000. And in previous conversations, you explained to me that a business book author who can sell 10,000 books in the first year is more likely to sell even more across the lifetime of the book. So can we talk a little bit about that data, how you gathered it, and why that number of 10,000 is so important? So it started with the question, what we're seeing in publishing in general is that backlist sales are becoming a larger and larger percentage of overall sales. And what backlist sales means are books that are more than one year old. If you look at the bestseller list in business, seven out of those 10 titles, uh, top 10 titles every week are going to be books that you've seen week after week after week. And so for a new author trying to launch a book, there's a very particular problem that we've got to solve, which is how do you gain traction for a new book marketplace where people really love the stuff that's already there. And if I'm three months into a launch, how can I justify as a publisher oftentimes where I'm publishing 10, 20, 30, 50 books a year, how can I justify staying with a book longer? And how do you then make the same argument to the author who's like, I tried it, it didn't work. And oftentimes we want to leave books faster than we should. That's my opinion. So I want to try to find some data to justify it. And so what I did is I looked at almost 7,000 titles in business and self-help. And I looked at two pieces of information. First was how many copies of a given title were sold in the first year that it was on sale and how many copies were sold lifetime. So you kind of have a an X variable and you got a Y variable. So my X variable was what impact? Is there any relationship between that number of copies sold in the first year? And is there a relationship between that and number of copies sold in its lifetime? And I had heard this thing before, Bucky, and I'm betting you have too, this kind of 10,000 copy number kind of tends to get thrown around a little bit that if you can get over 10,000 copies, and some people will say just 10,000 copies in the market pays sold or free, or once you get past that point, you know if there's an audience for the book. So there's two key findings from this research that I did. The first key finding is that if a book does not reach that 10,000 copy mark in its first year on sale, that there's only a 10% chance, it's actually 11% chance, that it will ever sell more than 10,000 copies. That to me is pretty damning research. That's pretty, or definitive research that says, if you can't get the flywheel going for that book, you can't get enough momentum going, it's never going to escape the sort of the gravitational pull of all the other books that are out there and all the other things that we're paying attention to at any given time. So that's incredibly important. So I wanted to be able to give authors a goal. A lot of authors would love to have a goal for how many copies should I sell? So I think I could say, listen, if you don't get past that 10,000 copy mark, you probably won't ever. So really think hard about trying to get past that. The second part of the research, I think, is just as important, though. 
Because what I looked at after those 10,000, those books that sold 10,000 copies in the first year is I looked at a set of cohorts. I said, what about the books that sold 10 to 25,000 copies in the first year? And what about the books that sold 25 to 50? And what about the books that sold 50 to 100? And what I found is that in every one of those cases, if you could get past the 10,000 copy mark and move into one of those other cohorts, the chance of you selling even more copies ranged between 40 and 50%. So what I mean by that is, if you could sell more than 10,000 copies, the chance of you selling more than 25,000 copies, was you had a 42% chance of doing that. So it's just this idea that once the flywheel starts turning, you start building momentum for your book, you're actually creating better and better chances that your book will continue to sell more copies. And I think we know that. Like, I think we also know that again, Becky, I bet you would confirm this, that the kinds of books that you worked on that get that early momentum, they start selling more and more and more. There's kind of a self-perpetuation to them. They find audiences, more people tell more people about the book, but I think you have to reach a certain threshold. And I think that's what's important about the 10,000 copy research. So Todd, I know that you believe that it's critically important for authors to invest in a book over the long haul. Can you talk to me about why and how that relates to the 10,000 copies in the first year? Yeah. So I also did some very preliminary research on looking at launches and what I think of launches as being how many copies did the book sell in the first maybe eight to 12 weeks. And I did not see as distinctive relationship as I did looking at the number of copies that were sold over the first year, the predictability actually kind of falls apart. So what a book sells in that kind of, you know, there's so many authors that want to make a bestseller list or they want to sell all 10,000 copies in that first week on sale. The research, and it's kind of preliminary, I have to do some more before I can be really definitive about it, but launches are not as predictive as lifetime sales as the number of copies sold in the first year. So that first part is really important. So that's why, to me, having a plan. Most of the time, authors don't have a plan because a lot of time publishers don't have a plan for what somebody's going to do with a book over an entire year of time. So that could be, what am I going to do every month? Or what am I going to do literally every week? How am I going to find another new audience for my book? And this is where like, I think marketing turns into sales. It means I am out there doing the hustle, trying to find the next podcast. I'm trying to find the next promo opportunity. I'm going to run a Facebook ad campaign and I'm going to try it for a week and I'm going to see what kind of engagement can I get. My belief is that you need to have a set of activities that are taking place at least monthly. I think, frankly, it should be weekly and it should connect to what do I know about what's already happening after I get past the launch of the book and how do I then adjust the activities that I'm doing? So it could be maybe what I want to do is engage the whole audience of people who bought the book and I want to encourage them to read it. So maybe I have a public read where every week I'm going to read two chapters of the book. I'm going to do it as a Instagram live or a YouTube live. And I'm going to encourage people to come ask questions or hang out or like, hey, I missed this. Or like, why did you talk about this? Answer questions live online. Encourage people to engage with the book so that they can then go, oh my gosh, this is really great. And then want to go tell someone else about it. How do I use the holidays? How do I use pricing? Frankly, how am I using, how am I running experiments over that next year to see what are the tactics that are going to work as I try to get to the next point with my book? And based on our earlier conversation, it's like unique experiments. Yeah. Because just because someone else has tried something, you can revisit something someone else has done, but it it really has to be specific to the context and content of your book. Yeah. And I think what's great about 
hearing stories from other people who've done books is it's like this really good creative, this fodder for your creative process. So like, oh, I could do something like that, or I could do something, or maybe if I modified it, I heard someone else do this other thing like that. So I think the anecdotes end up being this fuel for creativity. But I think then when it comes to, frankly, how do I turn those activities into very specific things that are going to grow the sales of my book? That's the most important piece. Wow. Well, so much good to think about here, Todd. And we want to make sure that we leave our listeners with some action steps. So going back to the earlier part of our conversation, you recommended that people answer three questions. Hmm. What? So So what? what? Now what? And now what? Yeah. So the first action step I'd love you to take if you're listening today is to take a look at your book description if your book is already out, see how it lines up to those questions. Or if you're in the process of preparing for a book proposal or preparing a book, you can really think through your book with those three questions. I think the second action step that I want to leave with you is that if you have a marketing plan, it's not enough. You also need a sales plan. And Todd's recommendation around a sales plan was to open a spreadsheet and start thinking about the people who can buy your book and how many they might buy your book. And to think about this, not only from people who need the answer to the problem that your book is solving, but also the people who just care about you personally and what you're doing in the world. So as I think about that, you know, my mom is going to go on one list. The content in my book may not be meaningful to her, but she cares about what I'm doing. And then some clients of mine might go on the other list. So I would encourage those of you who are listening to try that as your second action step this week. So Todd, tell folks how they can continue to learn from you. Sure. So I would say the best place is to come visit us at bardpress.com. We've got a blog where every week I'm posting essays about exactly the kind of things that we've been talking about today. And you can sign up for our newsletter in the footer of any page on the Bard Press website. Perfect. Thank you so much, Todd. I really appreciate you talking with me about these topics. And I look forward to our continued collaboration. Is there anything else you want to leave our listeners with today? I have deep appreciation for anybody who decides to write a book. So I have a deep love for authors. And so the last thing I would say is you've done so much work to write the book. Now make sure you put just as much love and effort and energy in trying to market and sell the book because that's where you're going to have the impact. That's where getting your book out into the world and getting into as many people's hands is how you're going to make the change that you want to in the world. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll subscribe today and tell a friend about our show. If you're looking for hands-on help to market your book or have a question you'd like to hear me answer here, please email me, becky at weavinginfluence.com.